Welcome to another episode of Trashy Divorces, y'all. Welcome back to another week of trash cans, trash bags, and other trashy things. Everybody's too sexy for their trash cans today. An homage to 1991's I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. We are bringing you this week Sexiest Men Alive, or have been voted or not that any sure. way. Sure, sex symbols for sure. And this, these are two couples that listeners have pretty much demanded uh, on um, in the Facebook group, and there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest. We love hearing your ideas and suggestions. These two trashy divorces have been on my master spreadsheet for a hot minute, but these two bubbled up in, they're oft mentioned by listeners. They they do. They come up a lot. So this is for all y'all that tossed your hat in the ring for Bert and Lonnie and Blake and Miranda. Yup. Separated by generations, but both of our gentlemen today... (laughs) I guess we're considered sex symbols of the day. Blake won the Sexiest Man Award from People Magazine in 2017. Burt Reynolds never won it. That may surprise you. Really? Mm-hmm. He didn't. Uh, People Magazine started Sexiest Man Alive in 1985, I believe. And so everybody remembers the bearskin rug. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But Burt Reynolds never won that coveted award. Interesting. So, Stacy, this week you have the divorce of Blake and Miranda. Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert. This is a really fun story. I didn't know when I started out that this was going to have oh, this was a wild ride. Such such quirky, weird, fun Texan and Southern and blah blah blah. Like it, this is a cool little story. Again, I mean, these people really make terrible choices, but I like them both so much. <laughs> so I'm bringing you Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson. And I think at the end of the day, it's a story about survival and Lonnie Anderson. But yeah. It's a rocky road. Yeah. Yours, yours has much bigger stakes. Yeah. Mine, mine's sort of comically bad choices. Yours it, is, was a, it was a fun mm, ride. Yeah. It was a fun ride this week yeah. on Trashy Divorces. But perhaps we should turn our eyes back to last week. If, <laughs> oh. Just for a moment. We have a few corrections. We do. And we... they're not even about my Moby Dick thing. No, your <laughs> Moby Dick thing was just everyone loved. Um, so I have a few corrections. Let's go with that. This goes back to our Madonna episode last week. Some things that listeners around the globe, honestly, have, have uh, helped, <laughs> us out, helped us out with. So I mentioned that Guy Ritchie said that when Madonna would get very full of herself, he would take the piss, which... I took to mean that he would just leave and go drinking with his friends or something. Pubs, it's England. It totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. That is not what that means. To take the piss is to make fun of. And I think a lot of people were really happy to learn that there was someone in the world who could make fun of Madonna to her face about being a little too all up in herself or whatever he, whatever sparkling phrase he used. So Um, take the piss is making fun of, but being pissed is being drunk. drunk. But if you're in America... And you're pissed. You just have the fury. You're wearing your fury shorts. Again, we're hiring for uh, English translators, so let us know. Just reach out. Um, Okay. Also, it turns out that for her entire lifetime, I have been mispronouncing the name of Madonna's oldest child, which is Lourdes, not Lords. So apologies. We are truly sorry that um, you've gone your whole life with people fucking up the pronunciation of your name. Maybe just me, though. I, I, it, I could be the only person in the world. So thank you, listeners, mm-hmm. for your gentle corrections. Yes. We appreciate that. Thank you to all who took the piss last week to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. It's. I'm happy that generally we don't have to do correction pieces, but but yeah, I screwed up several several prominent things <laughs> last week. But now we know. Now we We've know. We've added those to mm-hmm. the column of things we know now. Mm-hmm. Yep, and knowing is half the battle, That's... as G.I. Joe taught us. Hey, next Sunday. Next Sunday. Don't forget, we've got our live show yep, next Sunday, August 25th. In or near Atlanta, come see us at Vinkman's with Erica Kelly of Southern Fried True Crime. We're excited about seeing you there, and we're in full-on preparation mode. Yeah. We've heard from some of you that are going to be there. We're so excited. We can't wait. Yeah, and preparation mode also includes low-grade panic mode, so that's cool. It's going to be that's great. Cool. It's going to be great. If you are not able... You know, to make it to Atlanta from whatever, Australia or Finland or Arizona. We hope to have that live show episode. Keep hoping that the recording yeah. spirits do us right. Yeah, cross your fingers on for Patreon us, On Patreon after that. So, 
Yeah. Speaking of Patreon. Speaking of Patreon. We're going to talk about what we did on Patreon this week and all of our new Patreon team trash candy peeps who joined us this week at our pajama-filled salon on Patreon. Joining team PJs, uh, we have (laughs) Megan G, Morgan P, Narelle O, Valerie, Lisa O, Michelle K, Spazella, Margaret HC, Megan H, Jill B, Candace C, Kelly A, Kelly B, Sherry S, Colleen OH, Melissa P, and Kim H. Thank you all. Thank you. We are so excited to be able to say your names in the magic mirror this week for Patreon. We hope that you are loving what you're hearing over there. What did they hear this week on Patreon? Holy cats. It was a lot going on on Patreon. We did a little Fury Pants riff about... America's least favorite dead prisoner, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, we put on our fury pants. Yeah, and it's, it's not really divorce related, but by listener request. Yeah, but yeah, there was a definite demand for fury pants. Yeah, so that was that L- was good. Lighter hearted though, we we did a little. Uh, we did a piece called Guy Ritchie Nobleman that the Guy Ritchie Queen Consort. Queen Consort. <laughs> That went way off the rails in a totally fun way. So the fun thing about that, if y'all do want to dip in and hear, uh, <laughs> if you ever want to hear a Trashy Divorces episode without any editing at all, it is going to be the Guy Ritchie Queen Consort up on yeah. Patreon. I've made it open access. I will say there's a joke around our home, like we edit because we love. Yeah. Uh, but this one was just plain funny without any editing being done to it it's free on patreon if you want to go check that out oh i covered the trashy divorce of robin wright and sean penn that was a super fun story that guy's trouble in trousers and robin penn is just feeling good as hell i robin love her right yes robin wright oh yeah. trashy tutors this week yeah launched back covered the hundred years war and the war of the roses it was so good just all the basis of tutor trash candy from now to the end of time it yeah. was a historical little feat of magic over there and talk about book club oh we launched book club this past week with our first book daughter of time josephine tay remember this is easy peasy book club so every book is a 200 pages or less it's gonna be a piece of cake we have our september 15th book announced which is big magic by elizabeth gilbert and i'm really excited about that one yeah i think it's gonna make a good book club oh it's gonna make a great book club So, y'all, come on over and join us over on Patreon there. If you need more trash candy, we have you covered. And now, you ready to get your sexy on? I'm I'm too too sexy sexy for this pod. Ha. Go, go, go. (laughs) So, our first divorce by popular listener request it is it's a popular is one. the for country good reason music is it it oh yeah for real oh yeah there's country music trash bags yeah i mean actually i'm not gonna say that i okay go tell I, me. I titled this story cheaters gonna cheat the oh. blake shelton and miranda lambert story and yet <laughs> both of them are such charming figures that i can't even work up any righteous fury about it like it let me tell you Tell, tell you how so your fury pants are not on. Mm, no nope. fury pants. Not wearing my fury shorts today. Okay, here we go. Because I really do. I like both of these people. There is a YouTube video that we'll have on um, the website with Jimmy Fallon takes Blake Shelton to eat sushi for the first time. Oh god, that was funny. It is not doing it. Blake's just not. <laughs> oh no, he's totally he. I mean, he does it. He's, he does it. Um, he doesn't like it. I think there is a single. I think tuna roll. I think he was like, I like that, and I get that tuna roll is my favorite too. So there you go. It's a lot of haggis. More rice wine, <laughs> please. Yeah, it's a lot of haggis. More rice wine. That was funny. Okay, so yeah. So <laughs> um, Blake Shelton is my contemporary. He was born about three weeks after me on oh. June 18th, 1976. Fantastic. A little Gemini baby. A little, yeah, is that still Gemini? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, that explains a few things then, I think. So uh, Blake Shelton, born June 18th, 76, raised in Ada, Oklahoma. Which I don't think is a very large place. It's also where he started singing, playing guitar, and where he met the love of his life. Oh, yay. Well, Not named Miranda Lambert. The first love of his <laughs> life. Young Blake, Master Blake, was a fresh-faced 15-year-old. 
Although, going to be honest, we took a peek at some of the high school pics of him floating around, and he has really... He has had a few makeovers. He has matured well. Yes, he has. He has... (laughs) That that little duckling turned into quite a swan, and I think the women in his life played a big role in that. I have a feeling you're right. They normally do. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I don't know. Like, if you're a parent of a of a teenager who feels awkward in life, look up Blake Ch- Shelton High School pictures and be like, no, you're going to be fine. You're going to be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 15-year-old Blake meets <laughs> K-Net Gurn. K-Net. K-Net. I, I'm hoping I'm saying that right because, like, obviously I mispronounce everything that I encounter, and I've never seen the name K-Net. I assume it's like Lynette or whatever. But yeah. Sure. K-Net Gurn. She was the older woman. She oh. just graduated from high school. Ooh, nefarious. Oh, I know, right? Hmm, cougar. She could buy okay. him smokes and beer. <laughs> um, let's assume that she did not, though, because I'm sure that it was a perfectly innocent love. Okay, and it was a very durable love as well. They moved to Nashville after he graduates. Okay. Like you do, because he's wanting to be a singer and songwriter and whatever. And early on in his career, she basically... You know, she's his manager for free. It's just part of, I assume, for free. I assume there was no career when they first arrived in Nashville to worry about. Anyway, she was apparently very helpful in keeping, you know, 17, 18-year-old Blake Shelton organized and on task. Oh, good. Doing the things okay. he needed to do. And in not just to make getting it. into playing video games 20 hours a day and all the stuff that young men tend to do if they don't When they have... want to be a songwriter. <laughs> yes. It was pre-Twitter, but... <laughs> See, girls clean their houses in order to avoid doing the work. That's true. Men play video games. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well. Want to write a book? I've never had a cleaner house. (laughs) You are not joking either. That is, I know that's a funny thing that goes around the internet, but that is not false. Like when I've done NaNoWriMo in November, the National Novel Writing Month, my God, my laundry is not only done, it's folded, it's put away, it's Mm -hmm. everything is vacuumed, like... I never have a cleaner house than when I'm working on a long creative project. That's exactly it. So she keeps him on task. She keeps him on task. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm assuming he graduated in 94 because I also graduated in 94. So it takes some years. They're out in Nashville for a while before he finally kind of gets noticed. And in 2001, he is signed to Giant Records, which is a Warner Brothers property. Okay. Giant closes soon after, but that just... That boots him to Warner Brothers, which is hard to argue. Fine, yeah. Yeah. So his song, Austin, which um, I am not a person who follows country music at all, but I queued it up and have def- I definitely heard this song like, okay. uh, in, in real time. So Austin came out that year, and it became Blake's first number one hit. Spent five weeks at the top of the country charts. And it's actually a really good song. I, I was like, oh, right. I remember thinking, like, what a great, what a clever piece of writing this is. I don't know if he wrote it or not, but anyway, good song. So at this point, he's got a number one single. His first album comes out. Things start happening very, very fast in his life. He hits the road with Toby Keith in O2. Yeah, that'll do it. For the uh, Shockin' Y'all tour. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And 2002 was such a jingoistic time in country music right after... Oh, one, right after 9-11. Sure, okay. Yeah, Yeah, Toby Keith had the Shockin' Y'all. Anyway. It all comes together. Okay. Whew. All right. So I guess this tour goes on for quite a while because in November of 2003, during a break from it, Blake and Knet do a romantic getaway to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Oh, Gatlinburg. They get married in a private ceremony. Oh, wow. And he sings Conway Twitty's Julia to her. Aw. And there is a picture of this floating around. Um, I don't... We will link to it or something. Okay. Knet is wedding perfect beautiful white dress just could not ask for a pretty she's bride. a super pretty girl we pulled up a pic of her and uh-huh. she reminded me of a blonde martina mcbride they have a very okay. similar kind of look but she's just as cute as she can be okay well this was still when blake shelton was it before a, the... was a duckling so he is in blue jeans, not oh, no. blue jeans. He's got like a brown Dude. leather coat on, like, but not, not like motorcycle leather, but like, like country music, whatever. And a cowboy hat on over his long, scraggly, perfect curly hair. So you do you, Blake Shelton. He probably thought he looked great. He, I'm sure he did. 
I'm sure he did. Wow. Okay. Because he has not yet met the people who will make him Blake Shelton. Hasn't had the makeover yet. No, he's not Blake Shelton quite yet. Okay. So we're going to we're going to park Blake and Knet and all of their newly wedded bliss in the trashy divorces train depot. Perfect. So we can jump on to another track and introduce you. This is such a great story to Miranda Lambert and her wacky ass childhood. Okay, tell me. Okay. Miranda Lee Lambert, and you know her mama got all Miranda Lee when she was in trouble, was born November 10th, 1983, and grew up in the itty-bitty town of Lindale, Texas. Lindale, when she was growing up, had a population around 4,000. Oh, wow. Maybe maybe 3,000. Like, I don't know. It's closer to 5,000 now. It's a tiny, tiny thing. It's 30 minutes outside of Tyler, Texas. It's an hour and a half outside of Dallas. Okay. Her parents are Bev and Rick. And interestingly, theirs is also the story of a 15-year-old falling for someone older. Although in this case, it was Bev who was 15. So I've seen the story told two ways. There's a piece in Texas Monthly back in October 07 by the writer John Spong. And the way he tells it is that it was 1975. Rick was a Dallas Police Department narcotics officer. He was also an aspiring 24-year-old country singer. He was in a band. And that band played a party at the apartment complex where 15-year-old Beverly lived. And she said it was instant love. Done. She went home and she told her mom, I met the man I'm going to marry today. And five years later, it's exactly what happened. Wow. Okay, there's a second story that I think is actually, I prefer it, if we're just going to grab bag this. Okay. Uh, This is told in the book Cradle to Grave by Virginia Hanlon Grohl. So this has it that Bev was attending cheerleading camp at Southern Methodist University uh, as a high school student in Dallas. Okay. Meets Rick, right? She's 15. He's in his 20s. He's also on campus because he is an undercover drug cop. Like he's pretending to be a student. To monitor drug activity on campus and oh arrest drug dealers. And so, like, he's a narc. <laughs> like, 21 Jump Street all up in here. Like, oh this is God. such a great story. Okay. Bev meets Rick, probably has no idea that he is an undercover cop looking for drugs. He leaves a lasting impression. And oh, my. So the story ends with Bev a few years later after her freshman year of college calling him up and inviting him to coffee so she can congratulate him on getting engaged. No. So in this telling, he then got unengaged, <gasps> and he and Bev have been together ever since. That's a much more nefarious that, story. I love this story. Plus, I did like newspaper camp in a, in high school and got to go to college camp. It felt very grown up. It felt very like... Do you mean any narcs on campus? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Good Lord. A bunch of creative writers. <laughs> Okay. So a few years later, you know, they've been married. They have a couple kids. I think Miranda's the oldest of their two kids. Anyway, they hit some hard financial times. Like their their oil boom ended. Like the 70s and 80s were great in Texas. And then the oil market collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, pretty much wiped them out. And so they left Dallas to go to Lindale to stay with family. Rick and Bev, I shit you not. This is so amazing. Became private investigators. No way! Dun, dun, dun. Rick and Bev P.I. And when Miranda <laughs> was like six or seven, if there, if there was a reason to have a kid involved in investigating a case, they would just bring her in. You brought so your baby? You brought your baby to, to an investigation. <laughs> to an investigation. Well, so like they'd get hired to go like, hey, I think my wife is cheating on me. Like, sure. can you go? So Bev and Miranda would like go to the pool or whatever and... Miranda was a ruse. And Bev would send Miranda to play with the mom's kid. And Bev would sit down next to the mom and start chatting her up and learn all about the affair she's having with the younger, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Bev must be, you know, just one of those. She, you could do this work she's too. She's me, yeah. And so this is, yeah, Miranda learned. Like, apparently when she was a little bit older, they dressed her up. Did Miranda in, uh, know she was in on the ruse or was her mom just like, yeah. Hey, why don't you go play with that kid? No, apparently they told, um, they would tell Miranda, tell the kid that your mom is a teacher because teachers are completely non-threatening. Sure. Like, so when they, when they coach Miranda to be part of their investigative. Oh yeah. Oh my God. 
That is amazing. So it was horrible, and it's amazing all oh, at the same yeah, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was another case where uh, they dressed her up as a junior high school cheerleader. I don't know if she was junior high age yet, but whatever. They dressed her up in the cheerleading outfit, and they sent her, you know, they needed some some uh, evidence from a house, so they had her knock on the door and try to sell them candy or whatever, like chat them up. I don't know what the parents were doing. It, Miranda never had to testify or anything. Like they always managed to keep her out of it, but she was apparently integral in getting some evidence and solving the case. Okay. They also claim, and for all I know, this is even true, that they did a major part of the investigation into Bill Clinton in the 1990s impeachment really? inquiry. Huh. So yeah, Bev says that future Jeffrey Epstein defender Ken Starr presented what was largely their work to the Republican House managers when they were, you know, considering whether to impeach Bill Clinton, which I, they did. My mind is blown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's with that, it's hard to totally could be true, but also like it's, it seems not verifiable. It could, anyway. So. Hey, Bill Clinton, would you like to buy some candy? <laughs> okay. Never mind. We're not going there. <clears throat> okay, so basically, in summary, Miranda Lambert was raised by some genuine badasses who encouraged oh her God. own badassery and let's all f- high five about badass parents. I let's do it. Okay, here's the play. Here's the play we're making today, kid. Yeah, the, I mean, it's just That's um, it's amazing. Crazy. That's but crazy pants. Also, like when they were down on their luck financially, they were. They were, like, farming their own food. They were hunting for food as a family. Like, they were out, like, taking down a deer and, like, raising rabbits on their property. And, like, they were, they are really, that was a really cool childhood that she had. This is very familiar to me because, like, we also, I grew up very outdoorsy. I haven't heard about your P.I. childhood yet, Stacey. No, no, no. But the, but the hunting and, you know, all of that stuff. explaining to do to me. All right. Okay, so more cool shit. Miranda was first noticed for her singing as a teenager, and she went to Nashville to see if she couldn't make something of it. She's like 16. Okay. But the songs they all wanted her to sing were really like the country pop side of things, and she grew up listening to, yeah, Yeah. like Merle Haggard, like old country. And that's the music she wanted to make. So she leaves Nashville and heads right back home and grabs her dad and is like, hey, dad, you got to teach me how to play guitar because... I don't like what they've got, and I need to write my own songs. Oh, good for her. And I'll so, do it myself. Yeah. Again, high five to great parenting. Like, these guys really, good job. And she's November 10th. She's a Scorpio, baby. Scorpios are highly determined. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they're going to do it, they're going to, like, if they set their mind to it, they're going to do it. Good for her. Yeah, for sure. So she spent several years playing and touring in Texas. Uh, she joins the talent competition Nashville Star. And came in third place. So in 03, oh, as, wow. as a result of that visibility, she is signed with Epic Records. And in 2004, her debut album, Kerosene, hit the shelves. Miranda wrote or co-wrote 11 of the album's 12 songs. Holy cats. And it debuted at number one on the country charts. Good for her. Produced four top 40 country singles, including the title track, which was a top 20 hit and ultimately was certified platinum. Very good debut. Well Great done. Debut. Well done, little firecracker Miranda. Like, and she's tiny too, right? Like, she's physically mm-hmm. itty bitty. So there's, there's just, I really, I mean, these people are a little trashy, but they, uh, they're charmers too. <laughs> okay. Heading back to the uh, trashy divorces depot. Okay. Where we left Blake and hell, that was so exciting. I'd forgotten all about yeah, Blake. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> okay. back, back to bring it on back. Back to Blake and Kanet. <laughs> They've been honeymooning and enjoying life as newlyweds. And the year is 2005. They've been married for about 18 months when CMT announces that it is going to film a concert of popular country duets in Nashville. Well, hell in yeah, June. Yeah, the slate was heavy duty: Trace Adkins, Crystal Gale, Travis Tritt, Leanne Womack, among others, including Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert. Oh, and it begins. It was on this stage that Blake and Knet's marriage started to die. Oh, uh, they sang. Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't include this info, but it's something like "You're Why God Made Oklahoma" or something. Okay, it's a like it's a it's the perfect song for Blake Shelton, right? And it's a duet, but the two of them there are sparks. Like I've watched a YouTube video of it. Uh, like 
it's almost awkward Kanan to watch. is uncomfortable behind the okay it's it, it's almost yeah like you you see what's happening it, it's almost uh, it's a little like with um stevie nixon lindsey buckingham with sure. silver springs and yeah like mm-hmm, yeah different i mean opposite different different feeling yeah it's just like that but different yeah okay <laughs> so bigly sparkage and uh you know and it's a shame because blake shelton's married and uh yeah off we go. So in 2012, Blake told VH1's Behind the Music, I've never had that kind of experience with anybody. I was a married guy, you know, standing up there and singing with somebody and going, man, this shouldn't be happening. Oh, Looking God. back on that, I was falling in love with her right there on that stage. Oh. It wasn't just Blake who was stepping out emotionally or otherwise. Miranda had been in a three-year-long relationship with a guy named Jeff Allen when she started seeing Blake. And oh. Jeff actually popped up on Twitter in 2018. What? Because these people keep fighting on Twitter. With a little clap back at Blake, noting, quote, I know damn good and well you were cheating on your wife and Miranda was cheating on me when you two started up. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like. All of this I hear in a wonderful Southern accent. It's great. Y'all. Y'all. Okay, Kanet, not a dummy. She has been putting up with Blake's shit since he was 15, and she played a big role in putting his career together when he was starting out. It seems like they tried to work it out for a while, but in 2006, she filed for divorce. Wow. So Jessica Sager, writing on the NikkiSwift.com website, noted, quote, In her filing, Kanet accused Shelton of inappropriate marital conduct, so we'll let you draw your own conclusions as That's to what happened That's a very nice here. way to phrase that. Yeah. So Blake and Miranda are now free to be together. Blake is apparently extremely scarred by the divorce experience, calling it the worst experience of my life, and explaining that he's in no hurry to marry because he does not want to risk going through that again. So they just date for years, okay. right? And they're, again, but they're peak of their game. Like, they're still rising stars in the country music scene. Like, it's all good. And they're cute as hell. Like, when they, because, again, he's huge and she's tiny yeah he's Mm -hmm. a giant and she's a yeah like they're super cute they're both very pretty people and he well and they're both very like miranda lambert is talented af i do not want to diminish that part i don't know i'm i am not as confident about blake shelton's talent but i know like she has another band um pistol annies i think so yeah like with two other like she's she is extremely talented so they're on the rise yeah 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 so uh miranda receives a grammy nomination and the top new vocalist acm award in 2007 good for her releases her second album crazy ex-girlfriend blake releases his fourth album pure bs and it took me a minute to realize those are his initials yeah i was like why would he call it that anyway so he releases Pure BS in 07, his fourth album, and he starts appearing on television shows like The Voice and Nashville Star, I think was one. Sure. And this would become a bigger and bigger part of his career. And Miranda's given him a makeover by now. Yeah. The the 07 article in Texas Monthly, like her mother is is like, God, if she she got him to get rid of that mullet, if he could just get rid of that hat. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, you know, life couldn't be better. After four years of dating, Blake finally gets past his worries and proposes to Miranda in May of 2010. They marry a year later. And at some point, I think I think prior to this, Blake has purchased a ranch outside of Tishomingo, Oklahoma, near the Texas border. And there's a big ranch where they chill out. Like, they have ATVs and go off it. Like, they just do, they just do all that stuff that you're, cousin in the country does okay <laughs> it's the, they hunt and fish and play and whatever so yeah like by 2009 the tulsa world is describing miranda as an okie you know Perfect. like when she's nominated for awards and stuff so like the ranch i think 08 07 i don't know but kind of early in their relationship this ranch in oklahoma becomes a thing they had homes in nashville as well but it does really seem like the oklahoma ranch was home base was their place yeah yeah and I don't know how close it was. I don't think it was particularly close to Lindale because, like, Dallas is not near anything. Nah. So, anyway, but that's where they like to be, I guess. In 2012, Miranda opens a business in Tishomingo's downtown district, the Pink Pistol Boutique. In 2014, she opens the Ladysmith Bed and Breakfast there. Oh, wow. So, like, she's investing in this little town. Perfect. and, and In the community. That's great. Yeah, just the fact that they live there makes it a tourist draw. So, yeah, it's like, it's all cool. 
2011, Blake signs on as a coach on NBC's The Voice, where he works with and judges aspiring singers. So notably, this job kept him in Los Angeles for extended periods of the year, like months at a time. Sure. And the bad news about that is that, according to TMZ, Miranda really does not like Los Angeles at all, and it stresses her out to go there. So Blake's out there for like five, six months at a time and isn't really coming home that much to hang out at the Tishomongo Ranch. And it doesn't sound like she's going out that much to hang out. Sometimes she'll like day trip out. I don't think she likes going out for extended periods. But basically, like as as things go on, it seems like she's kind of doing all the work of the relationship. He's really enjoying living in L.A. most of the year. There are sort of persistent cheating rumors about both of them all through their marriage. I don't. I think most of them were bunk, but you know, there it's. It seems like just a, they. It was not built to last. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, he's chilling in L.A. She's on the road or in Oklahoma, and he just doesn't come and visit her. Basically, she ends up feeling very lonely. So HollywoodLife.com says that uh, by the time the divorce happened, Team Blake thought Miranda had cheated with five different guys over the course of their relationship, Holy even crap. even before the marriage. Uh, including Blake's best friend. It is worth noting that like friends of the couple were all like, dude, that's bullshit. And by and large sided with Miranda in the split. Like they just like Blake went off the handle and okay. Meanwhile, uh, Uh, there was a ton of speculation that Blake had stepped out with another country singer. And indeed it appears that a young female artist was effectively blacklisted in country music shortly after Blake appeared in a music video for one of her songs in 2013. Oh, So rumors were flying that things were hot and heavy. Her record label drops her RCA dude. Like, yeah, venerable radar online talked to uh, this woman's brother when the news broke in July 2015 that Blake and Miranda were divorcing. And the brother was pretty clear that her involvement with Blake, whatever that was, he didn't get into any details. And he said it wasn't what people, it, like it, it, it wasn't what people thought it was. But anyway, but that their involvement was not what people thought it was. Like it wasn't what people thought it was. But anyway, but that their involvement together is what had caused her label to drop her and her career to Yikes. vanish. So excitingly, you can be divorced in a matter of weeks in Oklahoma if you're not. Really? Yeah, they had a prenup. So there was... You know, neither one was trying to, like, get the prenup tossed. So it was a pretty straightforward process. And it took, it was, like, two two weeks before, like, they filed their papers and a judge approved it. Holy shit. Boom. That's a pretty fast divorce. Yeah. So, like, one of the stories, Blake apparently hired a PR firm to manage this process, which we saw with Angelina Jolie, too. Sure. It's, uh, it's kind of ugly. So, anyway, the story that went out was that Blake had seen, I'm air quoting, proof that Miranda had oh, cheated God. in June or July so that's, yeah, that prompted him to file. Okay. So, yeah, two weeks or so, it was over. The prenup helped, I I guess, but it was a really angry split for some reason. I, I don't know what happened with these two people, but it it got angry in a way it, I would not have foreseen. Okay, so, like, Blake, okay, so I guess Miranda has exotic animals on the ranch in Oklahoma. And like why not? Do. Why not? Right? You're rich and you have a lot of sp- uh, a lot of land. Okay, so Blake orders her to remove those from his property what? the day the divorce is finalized. Like, yeah, I don't know if it actually went down that way, but yeah, this uh, Give me a minute to find a place where I can send my elephant or yeah, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> you move the leopard. <laughs> Gotta build a new unicorn house. Just give me a minute. (laughs) Tiger's all you, bud. Okay. Of course, back in LA, on The Voice, co-judge, no doubt, singer Gwen Stefani also happened to be going through a divorce from singer Gavin Rossdale around this time. And gosh, Blake looks up and... Oh, wow, there's someone going through the exact same thing he's going through. Oh, wow, let's bond. Uh, obviously, there had been rumors about the two of them prior to sure. the divorce, and Miranda does believe they were, mm. according to reports, does believe they were seeing each other prior. Okay, and surprise, surprise, they were openly a couple within like a month or two. A minute and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they took a full half hour. 
they are still together. And to be honest, that is Blake's pattern, right? Like he meets his first wife when he's 15. They marry, you know, years later. Doesn't last long. And he's already with the next girl when mm-hmm. that ends. Date for years, get married, doesn't last long, and potentially is already with the next girl when okay. that ends. So, Gwen, we are holding a good thought for you, but we encourage you not to marry Blake Shelton. Yeah, stay healthy, Gwen. <laughs> and don't stock your exotic animals on his ranch in Oklahoma. Stay single, Gwen. I think they just bought a uh, house in L.A., so. Oh. That should... Well, she seems like a little bit more the L.A. type. Yeah. Okay, good on them. So what happens with Miranda? Okay, well, it appears that yet another married musician fell for her. Ah. And in February 2018, um, Evan Felker of the Turnpike Troubadours left his wife for her. Oh. Their relationship lasted a matter of months. Oh. So that's all pretty too bad. No. In February of this year, 2019, year of someone's Lord, (laughs) Miranda announced, this is so weird, that she had married an exceedingly attractive NYPD officer named Brendan McLaughlin in Tennessee. Oh. No, I'm as confused as you are about this. Like, she didn't like LA. Is she going to like New York better? I mean, is he going to leave... Is he just going to be like Commute a every day? tour husband? Like, I don't... Huh. I mean, he's very pretty. Well, <laughs> but... <laughs> Good for them. But I mean, she just broke up with this Evan Felker dude in August of 2018. And by at the end of January 2019, she's married to a different guy. Like... Mazel tov. Mazel something. Molotov cocktail. God. That's some passion right there. You know, we have we have covered we've covered some country singers in the past on this show, and honestly, this just seems very par for the course. <laughs> in the realm of our country music stars, how many country music trash cans does this get? You know, like again, I I I wanna say like coming out of this, I I like both of these people a lot, but I, I would say Those at least divorces go. I would say at least four and a half. These are these people have real problems. <laughs> wow cheating I, I, and leaving and singing and leaving other people and, and there's I mean, a lot go- there's a there's a lot going boom. on yeah i'd say four and a half i mean it, but they're but they're they're charming they're charismatic they're i mean and i'm gonna put that jimmy fallon feeding blake shelton sushi video on the website so i'm still blown away with parents as pis oh dude it's fucking cool it's, ass oh my god you seriously you can a novel cover like what you would be like i don't i don't know there's a great read but it's not very believable and whatever you what whatever else that story was super sexy <laughs> seriously all that story was just sexy let's take a break and yeah. come back for my uh, sexiness of the 1980s oh right oh, yeah yeah Lord. a little time hop here but yeah we'll be right back Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know... Try to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number. Thousands of people try to call. I talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. 
crazy funny ones. I talk to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. So, Alicia, I understand that you you have a sexy, sexy, sexy couple from our from our nation's past. Oh, Lord. From the, <laughs> like, this is the trashiest divorce of the early 90s. Was it really the early? I'm so mm-hmm. I thought it was much earlier than that. Okay. No, they divorced. The divorce was final in 1994. Yikes. Okay. Between Bert and Lonnie. So it fits with our I'm too sexy because mm-hmm. 1992 was a weird time. We'll just put it that way in the nation's history. But we're going to go back a little further. Okay. Get this amazing trashy divorce. The oft requested. It's happening, y'all. Trashy divorce. Lonnie Anderson. Burt Reynolds. You ready? I <laughs> I don't ready. know. All I can think of is the photo of nearly nude him mm-hmm. and he's on on a fur on a bearskin rug bearskin or something. Rug. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about and it. He is so furry. <laughs> like he's pretty furry. It it's amazing what people found sexy in the seventies. Well, let's put on our furry shorts and uh, uh, see what I did there. Uh, uh. And we'll talk about old Bert and Lonnie. Uh, Bert is a February 11th baby. He's an Aquarius, born in 1936. His dad gets drafted to go into World War II. The family does a little moving around, which eventually, after the war, leads the family to Riviera Beach, Florida. And his dad eventually becomes the chief of police there. Now, Bert is a pretty good football player. And... Although we are here to celebrate all the trashy divorces, I think it's time just to have a moment of silence as we're recording today, the last Saturday of 2019 that has no college football in it because college football season is upon us. Wow. I, I, it, you know, I hadn't even reminded you these years go by so fast that, <laughs> and it's one more Saturday without college football. But it's coming for you next Saturday. Okay, so Bert. I don't know if I can stand to watch you cry for six more weekends and then until you just give up on your team. <laughs> it's going to be great. Football season is upon us. And believe it or not, a failed football career is how Burt Reynolds gets turned on to acting. Okay, so he's a pretty good football player. He gets a scholarship to Florida State University to play halfback once he graduates high school. And he's rooming with this kid named Lee Corso who's going to become a pretty famous football coach and sports broadcaster. Like, Bobby Bowden is the mentor of his life. Good Lord. Uh, Bert remains allegiant to the FSU Seminole football team. For the rest of his life? For the rest of his life. Buys him uniforms, will show up for games. Like, he is an ardent and fervent supporter of the Florida State University Makes sense. I mean, that's his team. There you go. There's my Florida State University people. His literal team. His literal team. Well, he goes to play for a little while, Mm -hmm. but Bert's college football career does not go as great as he thinks it's going to. He doesn't get a lot of play. He gets uh, in the first game of his sophomore season a knee injury. A few months later, he gets in a car wreck, which wrecks his other knee. Jeez. So... By like 57, he split FSU and he decides his dad's like, yeah, you still need to take some courses, kid. So he's taking courses at this junior college and he has this teacher who really encouraged, like Bert calls him a mentor, but the teacher really likes the way that Bert can read Shakespeare. Bert's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but he said I did it good and I should try out for this play that the teacher is producing and he does try out and he gets the lead role and a star and is the born. rest is history. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's- so... Good story. Bert ends up winning the 1956 Florida State Drama Award, which part of that prize package includes an internship at a summer stock theater in Hyde Park, New York for the summer. And Bert's like, that's a better gig than working manual labor in the Florida heat during the uh, summer. Yeah. I should probably go do that internship. Yeah. All right. Hold up. There he meets Joanne Woodward a young ingenue Joanne Woodward, who's just getting her start, who convinces him to get an agent. Like, dude, you're just do this. So he's doing some tiny parts. So you're telling me that Burt Reynolds is the original Florida man just bumbling <laughs> through life? Yep. Okay. That's, yep. Yes. I'm waiting for the part where he pulls an alligator out of his pants. It's but. coming. <laughs> like during the divorce from Lottie Anderson, we'll get there. Okay. 
So he actually works like two years in plays and bit parts and little movies before he actually takes an acting class, which he eventually gets around to doing a few years later. So it's the early 60s. He's working on TV. He signed with Universal. He's doing okay. He has a quick marriage to an English actress that lasts from 1963 to 1965. Bert divorces her, cats around a little bit more. He gets into a hot and heavy romance with Dinah Shore, 20 years older than him, and having her cougar moment wow, in yeah. 1971. Yeah, a- they date for about four years, 1971 to 1975, but their breakup when it happens in 75 doesn't slow Dinah down. She proceeds to date a shit ton of younger men after this and, well, is Dinah Shore hero to all gays everywhere. So good for you, Dinah. So let's talk about the bearskin magic. So during early in the love affair with Dinah Shore, this is 1972, I would be totally remiss if we didn't mention the Burt Reynolds bear rug male nude centerfold for Cosmopolitan magazine. A few little things about this for you. 1972, in addition to being my birth year, also the launch of Ms. Magazine. Nixon's still in office. So one night, Burt Reynolds is standing in for Johnny Carson. And Helen Gurley Brown is the guest on Johnny Carson that night. Wow. Helen Gurley Brown has wanted to do a male nude centerfold for a while now. And she meets Burt and is kind of swooning over him. And she asks him to do it because she's wanted to do it for a while. She's actually asked Paul Newman to do it and he turned her down. So she's looking for... Right, right. And Bert's like, all right. That sounds like a good laugh. And Yeah, you. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of him with Dinah Shore. You forget. Yeah. He was He was a cute... He was a cutie. He was cute. Furry. Furry. Like, boy, furry, but... Like a little gremlin. Don't feed him after midnight. <laughs> all right. So Bert thinks, sure, I'll go ahead and do this. And he does it. Comes out in the 1972 Cosmo. It turns him from just a movie star into an instant celebrity. It makes Cosmopolitan Magazine famous and actually spawns the idea for Playgirl Magazine. (laughs) Okay. Well, Burt Reynolds is now a bona fide sex symbol. Mm -hmm. After the breakup from Dinah in 75, it doesn't take him too long to move on. He goes hot and heavy with Sally Field from 1976 to 1980 where she is hot off her divorce from Steve Craig, which was finalized in 1975. So Bert and Sally are making movies together. Who can forget Smokey and the Bandit? Oh, my God. Smokey and the Bandit 2. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, my God. Uh. Sally and Bert fizzle out by 1980. But Bert's working in films and appearances, and everything's going great, and he's doing the star machine thing. So we're going to leave him in the Trashy Divorces Depot and hop the next train. Our gal, Lonnie Anderson, is an August 5th baby. We've done plenty about Leos this month, but my big takeaway here, just to plant in your head, Leos have no time for toxic, whatever astrological sign they're dating. So Lonnie, Leo baby, born in St. Paul, Minnesota. Her mother is a model. Her dad is an environmental chemist. So when I'm reading about them, I see Leonard and Penny from (laughs) Big Bang Theory, environmental scientist dad i got a hot mom anyway it just yeah not as good as pis but i mean that's tough to beat like (laughs) okay so lonnie's beautiful and she wins the valentine's queen at her high school and heads off to the university of minnesota she has an early marriage and divorce from like 64 to 66 they have one child married and divorced in two years one kid She gets an early role in 1966, and then nothing else happens in her acting career after that for like 10 years. Wow. But she remarries in 73, but by 1978, she really does land the role that will define her and her legacy for a long time. Jennifer Marlowe and WKRP in Cincinnati. She begins on that show in 1978, and here's Sassy Leo Girl for you. She walks out in summer hiatus in 1980 because she's not getting paid as much as the everybody else's. So she walks out. She stars as Jane Mansfield in this made for television movie to where the network is like, okay, fine, we'll pay you. Good. I know. Right. Good for her. Good for her. The, she comes back. The show runs till 1982 and things have been pretty good, but back in 1981, right? She's a 
famous star, she's hanging out at a party one night with her hubby and meets this nice actor, you know, Burt Reynolds. And when the marriage does fizzle out between Lonnie and hubby number two in 1981, they get divorced. Burt and Lonnie reconnect and they begin dating. Okay, 1982. Burt and Lonnie start dating. A Leo and Aquarius matchup can be really good. The attraction can be off the charts. When it's good, it's good. When it goes bad, it goes really bad. But for a long time, this is good for them. They begin their love affair in 82. In 1983, they decide to make a movie together. A little film called Stroker Ace. I don't even know if you've heard of this movie. I'm not sure I have. Suggestive title, though. Stroker Ace. Burt Reynolds actually turns down Terms of Endearment to do this movie with Lonnie Anderson. The role he turns down is won by Jack Nicholson and gets Jack Nicholson an Oscar. Okay. Stroker Ace, so I know it's the best movie ever, uh, is actually a failure at the box office financially and a critical failure with the critics too. And emotionally. (laughs) Burt Reynolds' career kind of, I mean, he's still popular. He's still somewhere in this weird zeitgeist, but... He's making action car flicks, you know, like it's not a, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's not Shakespeare. It's, it's not Shakespeare. Yeah. Bert and Lonnie are living large, life of the stars, and the love affair is going well enough for them to want to tie the knot, which they do in April of 1988. They have a small ceremony at his Florida ranch. There are five helicopters circling above the wedding. That's how hotty toddy star it is. Ann Margaret's there. Jim Neighbors is there. Lonnie's ring is seven carats and designed by Bert himself. Okay. I mean, I seven carats I at that time was kind of a big deal. Oh, I know. I just didn't know you. I, the band, right? I'm like, was he a gemologist too? Like, he designed the, a ring. The band. Okay. No, he designs <laughs> the, the ring. ring. The band. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he's I, a gemologist. He's a gemologist. Sorry. Let's have some more coffee. He has one of those rock tumblers. <laughs> the basement dude i had a rock tumbler when i was Did little you? and i fucking loved I it i always wanted one we should get one let's get a I'll rock totally tumbler. get you a rock tumbler for yes let's get us a rock tumbler dude it's a lot i mean it's noisy af the cats are gonna hate it but okay we digress <laughs> good things are gonna come it starts out well enough the newlyweds are happy they adopt a child together it is the appearance of love and devotion and everything swell Until it's not, because when it goes bad, it goes bad. But things are great-ish on the surface with them for like five years. Okay. But by 1993, it appears drugs are heavily factoring in to Bert's behavior. Mm. He's become convinced that Lonnie is cheating on him, which makes it perfectly okay for him to cheat on her. Oh, nice. I don't know about the number of animals that she was housing on his property in Florida, but he throws her out of the home, files for divorce, and it's on. And then he begins to bash her verbally everywhere he can. Wow. Mm -hmm. Classy. Now, he has bashed her physically, too, which we're going to talk about in a minute, which I can imagine really does lead to the split. But he has some real gems in his public bashing of her. He tells Good Morning America, the decision to divorce her should not have been a surprise. I don't see how she can be in total shock when you have not If your husband has not touched you in the biblical sense in almost three years, how can you be surprised? This is a doozy. Well, she can just take some sodium pentothal to tell the truth about things. Mm -hmm. He accuses her of being a shitty mom, says she's a crap actress. Like, not the way to win the breakup, dude. The two head to divorce court in 1994. Cameras are outside recording them, like, hand in hand. Lonnie's, like, adoringly looking. It is... It is the biggest ruse you've ever seen. Wait, they are hand in hand? Mm-hmm. After divorce court. They're putting it on. Lonnie is put... Like, After is, he's been... Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Lonnie's putting on a front because inside that courtroom for the previous days, it's been shit. They're working to settle on custody of their child and child support. So, this is from the Los Angeles Times, December 7th, 1994. In Testimony Monday, Reynolds said he was having cash flow problems, was in arrears on several loans, was dodged by bad investments, and was strapped by heavy alimony and child support allegations. 
So far, Reynolds' divorce from Anderson has cost him more than $2 million, and he pays about $47,000 a month in divorce-related expenses, accountant Gregory Young testified. Lonnie's staying silent. She is staying silent as fuck and smiling for the camera and taking all of it because she is going to do anything to get out of toxic. This is how bad it is. She's not publicly saying anything, but she will. After the divorce is done, she tells SF Gate in 1995, I said to everybody, don't get sucked into this or it will become a circus. Bert wants to make a war. Let him be in it all by himself. Someday I'll talk. That is really smart. Like, let I, I'm not, not my, cir- like, it is my circus and my monkeys. Like, yes, but I'm not. Yeah. 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 It's not a battle if I'm not playing with you. Like, everybody just shut the fuck up. I'm going to handle it, but don't play the game. Stop the game. Right. She does spill it when she releases her autobiography, My Life in High Heels, in this book. I know. Isn't that great? My Life in High Heels. It is great, but I was thinking she might title it. Also, here's what I was going to say about Bert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what she does say about Bert Mm -hmm. is that he abused her physically dozens of times, blames it on alleged drug use. But okay, so they're still sharing custody. And Lonnie wants a nanny to be with their kid when he goes to visit Bert. But the regular nanny won't go anymore because Bert threw a chair at her Jesus. on one of her visits. So they have a regular nanny and a fucking travel nanny who I guess can stand up oh to Bert God. when they write. Okay. Former Mossad or something. They do not talk. The one time Lonnie actually tries to connect with him on like a parenting thing, Bert just hands the phone off to the cocktail waitress that he was cheating with before their marriage Fuck. ended. Okay. In the divorce settlement, Bert buys her a house, but doesn't make the mortgage payments. He neglects to pay child support. $15,000 a month just doesn't work for him. So Bert declares bankruptcy the year after the divorce. This divorce settlement does not complete, doesn't finalize until fucking 2015. After years of addiction, rehab, some lengthy conversations with the IRS, Bert auctioning his belongings... In 1996, Lonnie finally gets, in 2015, a check for $150,000, which ends the goddamn longest divorce settlement in history. Jesus. Bert, a few months later, tells People Magazine, I should have known that you don't marry an actress. That was a really dumb move on my part. He's such a fucker. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hold on. We're going to hear a, bit, a little bit more from Lonnie. What a trash can. I'm taking these next bits from Ruth Stein from SF Gate, November 4th, 1995. All sources are linked on the website page, you guys, if you ever want to go back and figure out what we're looking at to create our narrative. Okay. So Ruth Stein, SF Gate, November 4th, 1995. During their very public breakup, it was a challenge to keep on going, Anderson admits, but I had to get up every day. Wouldn't that have been the worst irony of all? If not only did Bert dump me, but he also made me check out of my life? I mean, I couldn't give the man that satisfaction. The 2.3 million 6,500 square foot house is the total of her settlement with Reynolds. She says some months he doesn't come up with the mortgage or the $15,000 a month child support. Her lawyers have to get in touch with his lawyers. It's a very difficult situation. Sometimes he'll go for months without paying, and sometimes it's all regular. I think it depends on if he's working. I realize people want different things in life, and having a big, lavish house is not one of my goals in life, but it just always struck me as odd. Like, no, I need that $5 million apartment in Manhattan. Well, this was his magnanimous, let me buy you this home, which he does, but then never follows through on the actual purchase of it. Right. Lonnie blames drugs for some of Reynolds' odd behavior. In her book, she does write that he has taken Percodan for pain, Valium for anxiety, and Compazine for their side effects. She says, the physical abuse I always blamed on the drugs. She details the beatings that left her bruised all over her body except for her face. Yeah, they're good like that, right? They're good like that. She covered her bruises or made excuses for them. And she told a makeup artist once she had fallen down the stairs and thank God Bert caught me. Oh, my God. Before, yeah. 
So the worst incident happened a month before their breakup. She says, Bert shoved me all around the room, then threw me to the floor and opened the drawer and got out a loaded gun. He handed me the gun and told me to shoot myself and do us all a favor. I was terrified. Bert always said no one would ever believe me because he was Mr. Wonderful and the world loved him. So here's what I think is really telling. So this is 95 and Lonnie Anderson is talking about watching the OJ Simpson trial and says, I could empathize with everything I heard about Nicole Brown Simpson. When people would question why Brown would stay in the relationship, Anderson wanted to say, you really have no idea the seductiveness and the charm and with what feeling this insidious thing happens to you. Through his publicist, Bert says he has no comment about the charges of physical abuse. He wishes nothing but the very best for Lonnie from this day on. Lonnie does marry again many years later in 2008 to a guy named Bob Flick, one of the founding members of the folk band called the Brothers Four. Here's the weirdest thing. Bob Flick and Lonnie Anderson had originally met back in 1963 before she even married her first husband. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Just... It's not okay yet. It's not the end. Yeah, I guess. Like the universe is always conspiring in your favor. Lonnie's kicking ass at 74. Very late, a very happy late birthday to you, Miss hmm. Anderson. Bert continued to do his thing. And while, and Lonnie was his last marriage. He remained single, I guess, with his death happening September 6, 2018 at the age of 82. And an odd little follow-up, Sally Field released her memoir, after Bert's death and has this to say. She writes, By the time we met, the weight of his stardom had become a way for Bert to control everyone around him. And from the moment I walked through the door, it was a way to control me. We were a perfect match of flaws. Blindly, I fell into a rut that had long ago formed in my road, a pre-programmed behavior as if in some past I had pledged soul-binding commitment to this man. Back in 2015, Burt Reynolds tells Vanity Fair that Sally Field was the love of his life, (laughs) right? Which Mm -hmm. I'm sure makes all of his other wives and lovers feel fantastic. Yeah. Sally Field had also previously told the New York Times that she was glad that Reynolds wasn't around to read her book because she publishes it after his death. She says this would hurt him. I felt glad he wasn't going to read it. He wasn't going to be asked about it, and he wasn't going to have to defend himself or lash out, which he probably would have. Hmm. Shikes. Cool guy. I really didn't know that he was such a volatile person. I mean, he's not someone that I followed at all. Like he was a he was a famous guy by the time I was. Well, he a was kid. so much older. Like he wasn't the yeah. sex symbol of our generation. No, no. I think I think for my mom, he was. Oh, for sure. He was a yeah, hot apparently, dude. he was a real trash bag. Great. So there's the trashy divorce of Burt Reynolds Yikes. and Lonnie Anderson. And I this to me is a pretty clear case of five trash cans. Yeah. yeah all yeah. the way. Between the physical abuse, the crap talk, the emotional and verbal abuse, and the way you talk when your previous lovers wait until you're dead to talk about you. Yeah. Like five trash cans on a bare skin rug, mm-hmm. which amps the problematic factor, just the bare skin rug up like a hundred times. So like 500 trash cans. Okay. Five yeah. trash cans to the power of 100 bare skin rugs. Sure. Sure. There you go. Sure. I don't know. Are the it's trash bad. cans made of bare skin? Is that what you're... <laughs> no. The trash cans are just on the bare skin. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. So listeners, those are your trashy divorces of two of the sexiest-ish, I guess, men that have ever sexed. I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Burt Reynolds is a way worse choice for a mate than uh, Blake Shelton, who has some flaws, but nothing like Yowza. Apparently, they both have patterns. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway. I mean, the thing about Miranda Lambert is that she's got a concealed carry permit. And so I dare you to hit her. And I'd, candy to sell you. I dare you. Some woman of mystery, that one. I dare you to hit her. <laughs> it's not going to go well oh. for you. <laughs> I don't. Please no one hit Miranda Lambert. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying she's not going to take She's not her. putting up with your crap. Well, neither was Lonnie Anderson. Yeah. Like, I, you know what? I have no time for toxic. I'm better than this. Yeah. Anyway. 
That's a, been a real prevalent theme of trashy divorces over the last few weeks. Is mm-hmm. I can love you, but I can love my... It's a summer of Lizzo. I can love myself more. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So enjoy your last week in the land of no college football, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Keep it trashy. Keep it trashy. Not as trashy as a bearskin rug. Not as trashy as Burt Reynolds, but, <laughs> but trashy. Thanks, everybody. Y'all have a great one. Big cheers. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.